everyone to the Sister Story podcast. Uh, this podcast is aimed at uh, marveling at God's sovereignty over each of our lives uh, as women and to encourage one another via our stories. And so today I've got a special guest with me. Uh, her name is Catherine and I'm sure some of you know her, uh, but we're going to hear uh, more about her story just now. Welcome, Hello. Catherine. Hello. Hello. Nice to have you. So, um, first of all, could you tell us a little bit, a little bit about who you are? Uh, obviously, we know your name already, but uh, your job, uh, your family, or other things about you? Uh, yep, my name is Catherine. I'm married to Philip. Been married for 34 years, um, which uh, hints at my age. So <laughs> I don't have to say my age. You will not say. <laughs> um, and in my third third. Uh, incarnation in this life I'm the church administrator at Cornerstone um, I started off as a, a chartered investment surveyor working for a fund management company then I have my kids and I was a stay-at-home mum and now I'm part-time church administrator for Cornerstone um, and the kids are grown up uh, adults Amy's uh, 23 and living and working away from home and Matthew's in his last year at uni Lovely, thank you. And um, how long have you been the church uh, administrator for? Uh, I think I've been church administrator for uh, about six or seven years. No, maybe a bit longer than that. Eight mm. years, maybe. You were around when I came, so <laughs> I think, yeah. Lovely. Um, so um, I would like us to talk about how you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and, and what is the story behind that. So um, if we could go back... A little bit far back, maybe, uh, but um, at your childhood and how it was uh, in your family, what was it like um, when you were a child? Um, I'm an only child. Uh, my parents are school teachers and uh, my dad is a science teacher and is still to this day at 85 adamant that there is no God and it's mm -hmm. all nonsense. Um, my mum used to take me to church to a very, very terrible Sunday school occasionally. She'd sort of do the ticking the box uh, going to church. Um, I got involved in the local uh, sort of high Anglo-Catholic church when I was a teenager with the Girl Guides, and I did serving mm. and I was confirmed, and so I used to wear a robe and carry a candle and do all that. <laughs> and I knew the service book off by heart, but... Um, I had absolutely no idea, really, mm. about the gospel. And I, when I read the Bible, it made no sense to me at mm. all. Um, I had a friend who was a Christian, and she took me on a Christian camp when I was 11. So I had some exposure to the gospel then. Mm. But, but between that and university, it was really just box-ticking religion. I didn't yes. know anything about it. I thought it was all about being good. Mm. Um, I and I had quite a boring life, so I thought I was quite good. Um, and then I went to uni, didn't go to church, um, started going out with Philip as it happened. And we had a year out and he came to London and um, he became a Christian. I didn't know he was going to church. I didn't know what was going on. But his flatmate had taken him to an evangelical church and he'd done a Christianity Explored type course and become a Christian. Um, the first I knew of it, I was in a phone box and being told he couldn't go out with me anymore because I wasn't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which was a bit of a shock. <laughs> I'm sure. In the days before mobiles and, you know, letter writing, we just wrote letters to each other. So yeah. it was literally, you know, I was feeding money into a phone box being told 
um, I wasn't, I was in love with him and, you know, he didn't want me anymore. So that was quite hard. So um, he, that was it as far as he was concerned. But his flatmate, who's a Christian, was horrified. And so he came to Nottingham where I was, Philip was in London. Um, and he, he told me the gospel and mm. God had been at work. Now I look back, God had been at work softening me planting seeds um obviously philip had i was thinking about god because i was horrified Mm. um and again i got this sort of i can't even be good enough i can't even i would sort of wake up in the morning think right i'm not going to swear or i'm not going to you know i'd set myself a little moral code and by the end of the day Mm. i realized i couldn't even live up to my moral code Mm. and that's what got how god worked on me and so when uh, his friend came and sat me down and we had th- two hours of him telling me various things about the gospel actually god was just at work i cried most of the time and i realized that i hadn't understood at all mm. what jesus was all about um, and then so it took a few weeks i was reading the bible which suddenly came alive i couldn't get enough of it understood it mm. um, and i became a christian a few weeks wow. after that <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. And um, I wonder how it was with your dad being quite a strong atheist, I yeah. assume, at home. He thinks I'm mad. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, it was, uh, <laughs> especially growing up, whether he was, uh, how he was looking on you going to church, even. I think he just ignored it. He just, mm. he could, it was a pointless waste of time for him. Mm. Um, but okay, if you want to do it, you do it. And I suppose it gave them time on their own, mum and dad, because I was going on Sunday morning and they gave them peace. <laughs> yes, I guess so. <laughs> right. And um, how, what was your reaction when Philip told you that you couldn't be together I anymore? I was completely devastated. Yeah. And in fact, again, God, God was amazing because he said, you need to go home. My parents' home was about 20 miles from where I was. Mm. And I had a car because I was in a year out. And he said, right, you need to go home and I'll ring you. And mm. I cried. I don't know how I saw... I couldn't even see the road. You know, God saw me home. Oh, right. And I landed on my parents' doorstep and said, he's dumped me and he's going to ring me. <laughs> and I think they thought, what? Well, yeah, what's this going yeah. on? <laughs> right. Yes, I was, I was devastated. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting that God was showing you that, you know, through your endeavours to, to be good, really, that, that you couldn't do yeah. that. I think it's very gracious of him to... To have shown yes. it to you like that. Yeah. Um, and so what happened after you accepted Christ? What, what Did you join a church? What, what was the result? Well, I'm quite an introvert and I was still on my own in mm-hmm. Nottingham, although I was working for a firm. So I was quite, I didn't get stuck in a church because mm. I didn't know where to go. And I didn't want to go in on my own yeah. as a single woman, you know. And I didn't really know anything about it. But I used to walk home through actually... Um, it used to be a massive council estate in Nottingham and they levelled it and so it mm. became sort of, you know, a modernised council estate. But yeah. the only building that had been left was the church. And so I used to walk home and think, you know, the posters outside looked about right for what Christianity now looked like to mm. me. And so when Philip came back for our final year and we had to decide what to do about church because he'd been going regularly to a church in Wimbledon and had met various people that we still know, and he'd been in a home group. So I now knew that that's what church looked like if you were a mm. Christian. I said, oh, I think there's this church in this part of Nottingham. Um, 
So we tried it together and we walked in on the first Sunday and said to the vicar, who was a young chap with a young family, do you have any home groups? And apparently he nearly fell through the floor because he had just arrived at the church and it was quite an old-fashioned congregation and it was in an area where people just threw their kids out the door and said, go to church on a Sunday morning to get them out of the way. I see, yeah. And there were a lot of issues with drugs and whatever. And he'd been trying to get home groups off the ground but wasn't getting anywhere. And we walked through and said, have you got any home groups? And I think he just thought, wow, <laughs> this is what I've been praying. So we were an answer to prayer. I mean, who... who mm. Whoever expects to be an answer to prayer. Um, And he had a young chap, basically an apprentice, before the days of apprentices, working with him. And we got really friendly with him. And we had a really lovely year Mm. as part of that church family. It was lovely, yeah. That must have been quite an encouragement to you, to both of you. This was totally different from the church experience that I'd had before, yeah. Mm. Oh, great. And what happened with Philip? He didn't tell us. Just left it at the breakup. <laughs> uh, no, he was very suspicious. He wouldn't get back together with me. He thought, oh, he's, you know, it, Philip, as we know, it's probably very self-assured and confident. So his view was she's only become a Christian, in inverted commas, mm. to get back with me. <laughs> we will not so comment it, on this. So <laughs> it took a while for him to trust that it was genuine yeah. <laughs> and that he just wasn't the catch that mm. I couldn't, you know. Yeah, not live without. That's, I find <laughs> this very funny, and Phil knows why I'm sure. <laughs> oh, great! Okay, and um, obviously you are not in Nottingham anymore, nope. and you are here in Kingston. Nope. So what what's happened afterwards? So uh, when we got back together, I mean we'd been going out for some time anyway, and again I was still quite nervous. So the reason I hadn't come to London in my sandwich year, the year, mm. because we'd only just started going out and I, I, I am an introvert and I'm an only child and I'd not had any life experience really. Mm. And he wants to come to London and work for a, a property part of a bank. And I said, I know what's going to happen. This is my character. <laughs> we'll go and you'll dump me and I'll be left in London on my own all alone. <laughs> So the deal was was that I would um, I would endeavour to get a job in London, mm. and also again I'd had a real um, a sort of a real wake up call as to what I wanted to do in mm. surveying. Surveying is a very eclectic profession with many many different things, and I suddenly had this light bulb moment as to what I wanted to do, and I could only do it in London, in with the fund management company. Mm. So. That was a total... So once we were on that road, I had to be in London, so I had to get a job. And so once I got a job, he proposed. So, <laughs> so again. So there you go. <laughs> Lovely, great. And, um, yeah, how, how did you get to uh, Cornerstone in the end? Uh, we got to Cornerstone because we went back to the church that he was converted at in Wimbledon. Mm. Wimbledon plant... That church was massive, didn't need us. We were... Mm. Um, and so we were feeling a bit like fish out of water because we'd come from this little church that loved mm. having us. Um, and they were looking to plant a church in, they were in Wimbledon Village. They were looking to plant a church in Wimbledon Town. We joined that little gang of about 50 people praying for about six months. Um, they found a school in Wimbledon Town and about 30 of us went in mm. the end and we planted Dundonald Church Great. in Wimbledon Town which grew and grew, and they planted in the end Fairfield, which be, and that's what became Cornerstone. Yeah. So it was Fairfield AM, Cornerstone in the PM, mm. and then they amalgamated 
into one, just one yeah. cornerstone church. Great. So, <laughs> that's how <laughs> I ended so, up a cornerstone. <laughs> yeah. And so later on, you started working for the church as well? Yes. Yeah. Great. Lovely. Um, so obviously, that's already quite a lot. And God has been really at work throughout your life, I'm sure. And you, you've been um, helping with, in the church a lot as well. Um, so I was wondering how, uh, obviously, the last year has been quite exceptional mm. uh, in all our lives mm. and quite different. And um, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit how um, this last year has impacted you or uh, also what you have learned uh, in this last year. Yes, it's been interesting. Everybody's, everybody will have a story, won't they, from the last year. Mm. Um, well, it started off, I asked to be furloughed because I couldn't... Because our church is funded by people's donations, mm. I thought, well, hold on a minute. I deep cleaned the kitchen the first week, but now what are we going to do? Because we haven't got any services. They don't need yeah. any literature. They don't need PowerPoints. The guys are doing live services, but they don't need mm. me to do any admin. We don't have any events going on. So I should not be being paid from people's donations. Mm. So I asked to be furloughed. And then, you know, initially you think, great. And then after a week, you think, oh, okay. So I'm at home I can't see anybody. People are struggling on WhatsApp and you can't help them. So I felt very, very numb. I, th I thought, I don't know how I feel about the pandemic and you can't, this is really, really odd. Mm. Um, the kids obviously weren't at home, although Matthew came home to work, but he literally was in his room working mm. um, because he was on a year's placement. So he was working yes. nine till six. So it was very, very odd. So I decided that I needed to keep a record, which I never normally do, um, of my um, sort of Bible reading each day. I had a reading um, scheme, which I've really enjoyed. And I thought, but I need to write things down because I'm so numb. Mm. I want to be able to look over the insights that God has given me, you know, how the Spirit's been working and teaching me through this word. Mm when I've had no stress because I haven't got to run out the door and be anywhere. So God will be giving me insights, but I'm too numb to take them in mm -hmm. to my heart. So I, I did that to begin with. And the realisation of the impact mentally, there have been, been some quite dark moments. So that has been, in, in God's kindness, he's shown me how people struggle with mental health. Mm. You know, I, I, I'm not somebody who... I've had bleak moments, but some of them have been very bleak. And, that, and that's been a real wake-up call as to how mm. people feel when they get low or depressed. Um, I think I've been... I think there's been a real sharp focus for me. Before we went into lockdown, there was a lot of emphasis on being kind mm. in the press. Yes. Be kind, be kind. And then immediately we were about to go into lockdown and people couldn't get toilet rolls. <laughs> How toilet rolls could be the symbol of people not being kind. We mm. went from being kind to overnight, I want 60 toilet rolls and you can't have any, it showed people's heart. And I think what I've, what I've noticed in the pandemic is that as I've read more, God's extraordinary love 
and his grace and my inability to save myself in any way or provide anything towards my salvation and his extraordinary love and in everything throughout the Bible, he's always reaching down to people. Yes. We, d we can't offer anything up. He reaches down and then we, whatever we do is out of thankfulness. Contrasted with this extraordinary hypocrisy of the world, mm. be kind, but it's all about me. Yes. Mm. And I think that the, I think the pandemic has, you know, we've seen the extraordinary sacrifice of people in the health professions, which is, you know, which is God in them, isn't it? We're created in his being and we do want to help mm. people. And that was one of the issues I had is I couldn't help anybody. Yeah. But then on the flip side, we've seen the harshness of people's hearts and the fact they live for themselves. And that was brought out simply in toilet rolls. Yes, it's crazy, isn't it? Which we don't need. We need <laughs> food and shelter. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I, I read something recently which I think summed it up, summed up lots of things I've been learning this year. Again, it was in my reading scheme. It said, when disaster hits developing countries, they weep and mourn. They're the images we see. When disaster hits developed countries, we ask why mm. and we try and fix it. Yeah. And there isn't what I what I've been what has grieved me is the hardness of people's hearts in the West mm. and that they haven't turned to God. And the the media in particular, there's there's barely been a mention of God. Yes. So We see articles about people starting to pray, and yet it doesn't feel like people are actually. But there's no analysis turning. of yeah, yes. and there's still very little um, coverage. Mm -hmm. um, certainly on the BBC, I don't think they've. I don't think they've mentioned God. <laughs> yes, <laughs> even when Boris <laughs> mentioned God last week, wasn't covered on the BBC from what I could see. So, yes. so I think those there's there's been a real mm. contrast both in my life seeing it's all love but also a feeling of an understanding of my work my uselessness you know mm. there is nothing I can bring but also looking out in the world and how people wear these masks all the time mm. um, and I read one of the significant passages I read uh, I meant to bring my bible in with me terrible but um, I read Isaiah 59 and it was about two months in mm. and I hadn't either read it or I read it and not understood it. I haven't got my glasses, Sophie. That's, <laughs> I can't even be able to read it. But one of, the, one of the, the lines that struck me was that no one has the truth. Mm. And I thought, wow, that is exactly right. Nobody has the truth except God. Mm. So I, I'm, I am tempted to be buffeted by the winds of the world. So a good news story or a bad news story and the spin that that particular media organization or that person may have on that news story based on their background or their agenda. Mm. Yes. But it's not the truth. And actually the only truth is, is the gospel. Yes. Which sense. you can test throughout the whole yeah. Bible. You test it and it just keeps coming up. It's mm. the same. And God, God's love is there. Yes. So it's very <laughs> encouraging to see that even in these darker moments, you, you, You saw clearly the yes, gospel. Yes, God even. was still at yeah. work. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I can find the verse. That's just all like right. This, so I will leave it. <laughs> I, I um, did bring my Bible with it all underlined, <laughs> and then I left it in the office. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, and I think yeah, all of us will have learned different things uh, in this year. I'm sure. 
Uh, but if there was any advice that you would give to maybe younger Christians um, or younger women actually in Christ, uh, what would you say to them? I think what you notice being part of, uh, you know, the, the, the women's WhatsApp group, which is mm -hmm. quite large, isn't it? And, and just standing back over the year, um, our material circumstances have huge impacts on our mood. Mm. Um, and our anxiety levels. And I think if we could, um, there was, the, the, there've been various sermons on worries, aren't there? And there was something I think that either Pete said or I've read. I think, I think it might have been during the Beatitudes or one of those, or Philippians maybe, you know, a worry is an anxiety that hasn't been brought to God. Yes. It's something that hasn't been brought to God, isn't it? Why are we anxious? Because actually we're not using God as Father. We're not behaving like God as Father. Mm. So either that we don't trust that he wants the best for us, we don't want what he wants for us because we don't think that it's best for us, mm. or actually we've been so busy trying to fix the problem in that we haven't, brought it to yeah. him and yeah. tried to see his perspective on it or actually just had that peace of knowing okay mm. whatever his will is yes mm. um so i think throughout life my regrets would probably be not bringing anxieties mm. and worries to him or worrying about things that really you know it is it is stressful when you have builders in or you can't get the house that you think you want mm. or the job that you think you want. But a few months down the line, those have all gone and you wasted so much energy on those things yeah. and probably very little energy on your relationship with God at that mm. time. And that I would say, I would say to people, don't, don't live with that regret. Mm. Yes. Um, these things are transigent, you know, and we all have realized in this pandemic that life is precious mm. and it can be gone yes. in, an, in an instant. And we don't expect that in the West. Mm. We see it in the developing world, but we don't expect it in the West. And that's what's been brought into sharp focus, I think. So. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> that's been really helpful. Um, and thank you for, your for sharing your story with us. Um, I'm sure many of us will be encouraged by that, by seeing how you've grown throughout the years. And, well, we all always grateful for everything you do for the church so it's thanks. great to hear that story um yeah thank you that's it for this episode thank you thank you look Bye. forward to hearing others yes exactly that's all for this episode of sister stories everyone but we'll see you again next time